Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. Uh, this is the podcast to help you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. Hello. Uh, this is episode number two for Wex, a continuation of our discussion around uh, the company, specifically about its financials, its management. Um, I'm happy, guys. I'm happy that you guys are here uh, with us. Hari, could you give us a disclaimer before we start? Yeah, so this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are a podcast that educates you on the concepts behind value investing. We do not make uh, specific financial um, uh, decisions or, or give you financial uh, advice. Um, um, we are just here to educate you. If you have any uh, need those services uh, for financial help or uh, tax help, uh, please consult with the appropriate advisor uh, before making a decision. Great. All right. Um, a few housekeeping items uh, you want to touch on real quick, Harry, for us? Yeah. So, um, you know, this company, uh, Wex, was brought to us by a, um, a trusted listener um, who asked us to analyze it. Um, if you are interested in uh having us analyze a company on the podcast, you can send us an email info at valueinvestor.org. Um, we also use this checklist um, to help us guide our uh, decision-making and make sure that we don't miss anything when we evaluate companies. So if you'd like a copy of that checklist, you can also email us at the same info at valueinvestor.org. Uh, and then the last thing is that uh, a lot of our listeners join our Slack community. Um, Slack allows us to um, keep in touch with you on a more uh, frequent basis than just the podcast. Uh, you can send us messages, and if uh, either Becca or I are awake, it'll ping us on our phone, and we can answer you directly. So we are uh, happy to do so. Um, and in addition to that, there's lots of other people in the community who can help you with finding resources or pointing you to other YouTube videos or anything else. Um, so Please uh, ask for that on info at valueinvestor.org, and we'll be happy to add you to the community. Great. Okay, Becco. So we were talking about Wex, and uh, you know, we had talked about the the company, what they did, uh, you know, and you know what moats that we potentially they potentially had, um, and you know some of the the growth prospects. So now we're going to kind of talk more about. Um, their return on equity and their ability to take that moat and translate it into a high return on capital. Um, amongst other things, you know, the other things we'll be talking about are management, um, debt and other financial uh, things, and finally the valuation. So let's get started with, um, you know, that first question. Um, you know, the return on capital or return on equity is a measure of how profitable a business is. Um, and a high return on equity businesses are things that we like to invest in as value investors. So what, what do you think about Wex's ability to take their moat and translate that into a high return on capital? Yeah. Um, so I think just a side note, I think this is one of the most important question aside from the competitive advantage question, um, to be asked in terms of analyzing companies, um, I think Warren Buffett, uh, you know, released the annual annual report and his letter to to the shareholders. He talked extensively about that. Um, so, 
going into this question, there are a few things that you can look at to assess this, to assess this, to answer this question. So um, return on equity, as Hari mentioned, that's one. Return on asset, you can look into that. You can look into return on capital employed, ROCE, um, and then ROIC, return on invested capital. You can look at all the all these different measurements uh, and metrics to figure out if the company is returning uh, returning good money on the cap on the base capital. So com- for a company like this, where the debt, as we mentioned in the previous episode, is 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 non negligible, in fact, it's actually is quite uh, quite a bit. You, if you look at return on equity, it will skew the number to be more favorable uh, because you're looking at the equity portion, and that portion doesn't really account for the debt, right? And so if you look at equity, it's standing at around. 10 percent eight to ten percent uh, recently uh, but if you look at return on um, your return on invested capital for example it's around five percent five to six percent return on capital employed it's standing at around seven percent seven to uh, six to seven percent if you look at return on asset it's about one percent and so i think more accurate measurements of this kind of um business um is it, because because of the debt level is more uh, i think what's more appropriate is return on capital employed or return on invested capital and the number is around eight uh, six to six to seven percent okay so that's terrible um and <laughs> and is is really not something i have any interest in right so yeah right <laughs> so let, let me let me just so our listeners are you know we, we will continue to talk about this company but um, you know, when you get to a, che- a checkpoint here, remember you don't need to fully understand every aspect of a business. You, if you see a red flag or something like that that makes you not want, you know, you know, you can just stop, right? Because your time is also valuable. It makes sense to look at another business. Um, you know, so if I have a business that returns five percent on a return on capital basis, and I have another one that has fifteen percent. Well, the fifteen percent business is the one I want to own because they can they can translate their money every dollar they invest into a higher amount of money uh, that I get right as a, as an investor. So, you know, with that being said, five five to ten percent, depending on what metric you use, is terrible, right? That that's roughly I I, I would be better off investing in the inde- in an index fund, right? And I would get a better return than if I did this. So, I you know we're and we, you know we'll we'll dive deeper into this, and maybe we can explain why their return on capital is so bad. Uh, but it's really not that good, and it's not something you know. I would want a minimum of fifteen percent, and really, the higher the better. So, um, you know, but this one makes me think that there's not a lot for me from a competitive advantage standpoint that makes me want to invest in it. So, mm-hmm. okay, so let's um. Let's move on from that question because I think there's going to be more educational stuff when we get to the valuation aspect of it. So I'm not gonna yeah. not gonna t- dwell too much on these, but let's um, let's talk about them uh, real quick. Um, you know, these two questions. You know, do, do they have enough cash to maintain their business, and do they maintain a reasonable debt level? Um, 
you know, I think we've yeah. already talked about the debt part of it, but go ahead and give us some information here. Yeah, let's talk about the debt level and then we can talk about cash as it relates to debt. So if we look at the debt itself, let's start from the, the top top of the financial report. So income statements. If you look at the amount of money that they're paying out due to interest is around 7%. It is, it is above 7%, so it's close to more 8%. And if you look at the trend there, and as I mentioned in the previous episodes, there has been a string of acquisitions and a lot of it has been funded by debt. So if you look at that, uh, if you look at the trend of that percentage, so percentage of interest payment per revenue, starting in 2012, it was at around 1.6%. So pretty negligible in terms of the interest payment itself. But now it's almost 8%. So that's first in the the first financial report uh, in, the, in the income statement. If you go towards, uh, if you go towards the uh, the balance sheet as well as the cash flow statement, and you look at the percentage of debt to free cash ratio, um, and you want that number to be, you know, around three, which means that you're able to pay out all the debt with free cash flow within three years. Right, that's what that means. And so you want that ratio to be under three. Right now, right now we're talking about uh, last year, it was seven. The year before that, 43. Uh, um, 2015, three. 2014, five, etc. So you got anomalies here and there, uh, but overall it's not looking very good in terms of that ratio, that threshold that we want to stick to. Okay. So, I mean, at this point, I, I think a lot of people will, will say that they're not interested in this business, but because we're here to entertain you, we're going to plow through <laughs> the, the rest of this thing. Um, so, you know, let's talk about that free cash flow and, um, you know, do they generate a strong amount of free cash flow from operations? Yeah. Um, so free cash flow, they've gener they're generating about 300 uh, there is obviously fluctuations, uh, periodic fluctuations, but you're looking at somewhere around $300 million, uh, a little less than $300 million. But if you also look at what's going out as CapEx, it's around 21%, 20% of net, net cash flow from operation. So you make, you know, you make $100 million from net cash uh, from operation, and then $21 million of that is going back into the business as CapEx. And so you're left with, you know, you're left with $80 million as, as free cash flow in that scenario. Um, so that's something, that's something quite notable because you would imagine, right? I mean, this is a software business, right? So in terms of CapEx, high CapEx, high CapEx business tends to be, you know, heavy industrial with lots of upfront investment in terms of infrastructure and things of that sort. Um, I didn't expect this from a software business, um, mainly software business. Obviously, there are some parts that isn't software, um, but um, it was kind of notable for me. Okay. What is your thought around that, Hari? Well, I, I mean, I, I think it, it is kind of strange that you would see that um, you know, I, I feel like this business is really not managed 
capital very well. You know, when they're buying new businesses and then eroding their own margins, um, you know, that, that to me is kind of like they're desperate to get into healthcare. Healthcare turned out to be kind of a disaster uh, from a margin standpoint. Um, and it's not really benefiting them uh, for being in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we're seeing that a profitability for this business is is eroding because they're also spending more money on, you know, businesses that are not adding a, lo- a whole lot of value and loading themselves up with debt that will take them a long time to pay off. So, yeah, I, I'm not really thrilled, um, you know, with with this. And I, I, I question also, like, what is the what is the value of this um, of a business like this? Because, um, you know, they're generating cash flow, but they're they're spending a lot of money to, you know, to acquire growth. And that growth is not really panning out. Um, and yet, at the same time, they, you know, they have, I don't see a lot of turnover in their management or anything like that. So, um, so why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about management too? Cause then I think we can, we can see how under or overvalued this business is relative, even though we may not necessarily be interested in it. Um, you know, and that may, yeah. gu- that may guide us a little bit more about, you know, if this company went on sale, you know, it doesn't sound like we'd still be interested in it, right? That, you know, from a long-term standpoint, it's not a it's not a great business, whereas there are plenty of good businesses out there that are too expensive, right? So we've we've already eliminated this company as almost a an investment vehicle, but then it's now a question of um, what is the, you know, to do the exercise and complete it so that we can uh, learn from this, you know, company. So uh, let's talk about the, uh, the CEO, uh, Melissa Smith. Um, I find it interesting that she has been there since 2014. Um, and it sounds like that's when they started acquiring businesses. So, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's, um, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, the CEO, Melissa Smith, she's been around the company for a long time. She joined in 1997, I think as an analyst or something. Mm-hmm. And now she, she rose up the ranks to CEO in 2014 and became a director as well in 2014. And so I guess one good part of this is that, you know, I don't know about her financial background or her husband's background or what have you, but her, her wealth, her substantial wealth is probably locked into this company. Um, Obviously she might come from money, uh, things like that, but it is a good sign that a substantial part of her wealth is probably locked into this company. And if you actually look at the numbers, the amount of shares that she owns, she owns uh, about $33 million uh, worth of the company, which is not a lot, uh, but still um, it is it is notable. Yeah, and I, I think the, uh, you know, as a shareholder, I would not be thrilled with her performance over this time time period, right? The, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a, the best way to measure a CEO's performance is how much money am I more money am I making as a result of their initiatives their plans their strategy and so on Um, and I don't even really want to spend too much time on the management side of this house because I think they've done a terrible job so um, you know you're you're eroding your business and so I want to move on right as a as a as a person so I'm not going to like, there's a lot of detailed information you can get from the proxy statement, which tells you 
how much money someone was being compensated for, uh, and so on. And I, I would tell you if you're if you're taking my money and getting me a five percent return, then I'm not interested in your your services as a executive. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe it's time to move on and get somebody else. So, uh, so let's let's move on to the um, you know, the final part of this, which I think is going to be the more interesting thing, which is. Um, walk us through what your valuation is uh, for uh, for Wex, and you know, tell us the assumptions that you made. You know, when you you know to come come up with that as uh, with that valuation. Yeah, I think just to reiterate uh, Hari's statement and his um, sentiment around this company and the discipline of of going through the checklist. We have a few points above this. We have already made the judgment that it is not a viable vehicle in terms of our investment. But uh, just for the entertainment purposes, like you mentioned, Ari, we'll go through this. Um, we use discounted cash flow to calculate the intrinsic value of the company. Uh, so what that means is we project out into the future how much cash this company will generate and we discount this cash that was uh, sp uh, that gets spit out, spun out, or I don't know what the verb right verb is, but the, the 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 amount of cash the company generates in future years, we discount that back into normal into present time, and um, and that's how we calculate the intrinsic value. So if we start with the free cash flow uh, of about three hundred million dollars, and you know, I assigned the growth rate of about of about seven percent um, for the first three years, and then five percent, and then dwindling to about about three percent, um, because you look at you know return on equity, return on invested capital, it usually usually just uh, matches that, and so I put it there, uh, the terminal growth rate of about three percent, and you discount it uh, by ten percent, and that's the that's the discount rate that we've been using. Uh, as a minimum threshold that any investment has to clear. So you look at that, you look at the shares outstanding uh, and the cash on hand, um, and you get about $77. Um, and right now, the share price is, the companies are trading at $200, $230 per share. Okay, so that... Sounds like they're pretty expensive com relative to their, you know, the the valuation that you're coming up with at seventy seven dollars is is not even the price that we would want to pay, right? We would want a uh, a buffer between that called the margin of safety. So, and that's typically around fifty percent. So, you know, we would want it to be under forty dollars a share before we would be interested in this as a business and. I, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, this is an expensive business. Um, they don't seem to be handling shareholder money very well with acquisitions that are returning lower and lower rates. Um, so the the real question is, let's say that this company tomorrow dropped to $40 a share. We still may not be interested in buying it. I mean, do you agree with that sentiment? sentiment? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think also this is important coming from a value investor standpoint where we want to buy quality business, kind of channeling uh, Charlie Munger's ethos here. Um, so yeah, I, would, I would agree with you on that. Okay. And I, I mean, I, I think the, the thing that, 
you know, is interesting about these these guys that we've kind of touched on a little bit is their free cash flow and their earnings per share are somewhat different um, due to the fact that they've made a lot of acquisitions and the acquisitions that they have have uh, in the healthcare business especially have intangible assets um, which have been amortized, which means that they are discounted against the income. So what you're seeing is a discrepancy of the earnings the, from the income statement, the net income, and the finance, the free cash flow. Um, and so, when you look at it, it you know you'll see a price to earnings of like sixty. Um, but you know this business is actually being evaluated based on their free cash flow, uh, which they call in their annual report adjusted net income. Um, so that's a non-gap measurement, and a lot of companies have been doing this, right? They take away their earnings. Um, you know, they do an EBITDA or, you know, something similar to that, right? Um, so I, I think from, from our span, standpoint, sometimes those valuation metrics are okay to look at, right? But, but generally, depreciation and amortization are real expenses, right? And um, they should be something that you take into account as you evaluate a business because, you know, that money has to go, has to be repaid. That depreciation of an asset has to be repurchased at some point, right? Um, yeah. And so looking at this, you know, if there's big discrepancies in it, there needs to be a reason why. And that reason why is something that you have to account for when you evaluate the value of a business, right? Um, and so businesses that have some sort of hybrid financial component and, um, and you know, a retail or other type of component... Um, they sometimes have these discrepancies in what is considered free cash and earnings per share. Um, and in this case, I don't see it as being a red flag, but I do think that there are other red flags in this business. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts, yeah. Becco? Yeah, I agree. I just want to channel Warren Buffett. Uh, I read uh, the annual the letter to shareholders today, and I think there is a paragraph in there that's actually quite pertinent to this discussion. So let me just read it out to you. Um, in the paragraphs that follow, we group our wide array of non-insurance businesses by size of earnings after interest, depreciation, taxes, non-cash compensation, restructuring charges, all of those pesky but very real costs that CEOs and Wall Street sometimes urge investors to ignore. So I think I think it's a it's a you know, obviously, it's coming from the oracle himself. Uh, there is a lot of wisdom there, but uh, I think this was a this was a pertinent to kind of add to the discussion that we just had. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think the uh, you know in the coming weeks we're going to be talking a lot more about companies, evaluating them for um, you know various different things. Um, if you are interested in having us talk about a company that has a, you know, some interesting properties or is something that you'd like us to look at, we're happy to do so. You can send us an email, info at valueinvestor.org. Um, or if you're on the Slack channel, um, by all means, send us a message on general. Um, and if you want to be part of that Slack community, just send us an email, info at valueinvestor.org. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, we hope to see you on the next episode. Yeah. Thank you.